0: It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go. Here we go. In the Giants mobile Get them in there. Let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. We're back for another episode of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk with you. Today's guest. We're joined by Eric Crocker. But first, I want to remind everybody, you can find the Giants huddle podcast on the Giants mobile app on your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, at Giants.com slash podcast along with with our other podcast on our Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. And now we're joined by our guest. He is former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. You can find him on Twitter at Eric Understore Crocker.
1: Eric, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm great, man. Ready ready to talk some football.
0: Absolutely. Uh, We do a lot of draft spots leading up to the draft. A lot of guys that watch tape, but I always like to talk to guys that played the position and can actually relate their experiences on the field how they evaluate players. So we're going to lock in here on the wide receivers and DBs a little bit because obviously you're a DB and you'll play it against wide receivers. So you know what gives guys trouble and things of that nature. So that's a,
1: that's a really good point too, because that's, that's really like the basis of what I go off of. I kind of use myself as a kind of like the, I don't want to say a standard, but I, I use myself as a starting point, And then I build off of that from the corner perspective and the receiver perspective. So that's a good, that was a good point there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have like we have David Dio and Shona Harris in-house with us here, and I love talking to him about O-line play and pass rushers because I think they, those are the guys that kind of give you the best insight because they've done it. So let's start with this. As a DB, when you approach the wide receiver position, you watch the guys on tape during the week, what were the things that gave you the most trouble that the first thing you kind of zeroed in on, like, all right, this guy is really good at that, and that could pose a problem for me?
1: I'd say how he is at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, obviously everybody's different. Uh, I think the scariest guy is, like, the big guy that's also quicker and strong at the line of scrimmage, like a DK Metcalf, right? Like, a lot of people, they kind of pigeonholed him into this guy that couldn't move laterally. But if they really watched DK Metcalf, they know, they notice he had really good releases, his feet, his hands, really quick, everything was explosive. Like, that's the that's one of the hardest guys to guard. And then also the smaller guys, like the – You know, everybody makes a big deal out of, like, Devontae Smith being so small. Oh, how's he going to defeat press? Those are the hardest guys to press, especially for someone like me that was a 6'1", 6'2", you know, 198-pound cornerback.
0: Now, for the people that don't know, by the way, Eric played DB for the Jets for a year, also won an AFL championship, right? So he has a lot of experience playing DB. So let's start with this class. A lot of people have different opinions on the top of this class, going down the line, who they like the best. How do you round out the top of this year's wide receivers class in terms of the guys you like the most?
1: Oh, man. Um, So there's one guy I haven't finalized, like, my top five, six guys yet because I haven't watched Rashad Bateman yet. So I'm kind of waiting to, like, really kind of put out my official, like, final rankings of receivers. But I'll just say, like, um, at the top, like, my top three, which I think I'm pretty sold on. I'd say Devontae Smith at one. And I know there's a lot of people that are just like, Jamar Chase can't miss, like all that. And like, when I watch him, like, obviously he's terrific. I think he kind of gets thrown around with like the generational tag and all that. And I'm like, ah, uh. like, I just see guys like just too, they're too comfortable getting hands on them. They're too comfortable running with him through routes. Now, obviously he does some terrific things at the catch point. I think he's really strong there. I think his hands are really good. I think his, Um, balance and his uh, ability to kind of adjust to passes in the air. I think he does all that extremely well. But to me, they just, it's, if you ask me, who would I rather guard? I would say, give me, I'd rather guard Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, he's more fluid at the line of scrimmage quicker. He gives you more to think about. You know, you have to be more on point with your feet and your hands. Really with him, as much as people talk about, getting hands on him you have to really play more with your feet first to get you in position to play with your hands because he is so quick and fluid at the line of scrimmage and a lot of times with guys like that if you if you try hard to get hands on you end up locking your hips and if you miss he's gone so with him you have to be more patient it gives you more to think about and you know you have to really be really good on that route to be in position to contest the the pass at the catch point with with chase I know I'm going to be in position to make the play now. I just can't let him dog me at the catch point, which we've seen that go both ways. We've seen him dog the best of guys, whether it was Trevon Diggs, um, AJ Terrell and all those guys. But then I've also seen him really compete at the catch point where I'm like, damn, like he has to win at the, he has to win like that. He's the first person I've seen lose the same way he wins. That's typically not what you see from guys. And there, everybody notices the big plays and, 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 you know, all those. But when guys really challenged him, to me, it was more hit or miss, whether he was going to win that route or that rep or not. And I think other guys just win a higher percentage of routes in the sense of just beating the guy and giving the defensive back more to think about. So obviously Chase, terrific prospect. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to come off as like some hot take guy or anything like that. <laughs> but I just, in my opinion, if I had to guard one or the other, I would rather guard Chase because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be in position to make the play. Then it's just on me to make the play. So um, those are kind of the top two guys and how I think about those guys. I want to follow
0: up on Chase for a second. Cause I thought one interesting thing from his pro day, he measured with under 31 inch arms, which is short for, for a wide receiver. And I know one thing you focused on when you did your video breakdown on your Twitter account on Chase was his inability sometimes to get off a of press and guys were willing to press him. They got up on him. And I think when you watch Chase, which is interesting, he doesn't create that obvious separation that other guys do in his routes, right? He's solid, he gets past guys, but his windows that he creates for quarterbacks is smaller. But to your point, he's able to make those contested catches. I kind of compare him a little bit to DeAndre Hopkins that way, right? He's not the quickest guy, not the fastest guy, but if he's got an inch, he's got two feet on you, right? It's right. kind of that's how you look at it. So what do you think that arm length thing you think it has to do with his ability to get off the line and just how you kind of balance out his total package, even though he doesn't get that kind of great separation you see from a guy like Smith, a guy like Waddle, guys like that.
1: You know, I think it just, it just comes like, does he have, not so much the arms it's, it's really more of, does he have the suddenness and the twitch? And I've seen it at times. So I know it's kind of there, but I think he has to work on becoming more consistent with that part of his game. You know, like the the twitchiness, the suddenness, the ability to kind of get outside the cornerback's frame to really get the cornerback to move this way. So he can come back that way. And if he can learn to do that, then, then we're talking about what, how people view him, you know, and maybe he didn't do that a lot. I mean, we're talking about somebody that was 19 years old, you know, putting up the all time production in the sec. So that's impressive in itself. But even then I view it as, Hey, like how is he winning? How does that translate to the NFL? And, It's a little bit tougher for me to project that because it's so much bully ball that he played. Sure. And I I just need to see a little bit more suddenness and twitch. And now the big question is, does he possess the suddenness and twitch to really be able to do that? Or is he just going to be in a dogfight every time he gets up at the line of scrimmage? Um, Those are things I have kind of questions about. Really has to do more just with his uh, nuanced releases at the line of scrimmage. I think he can really improve on that.
0: Simply from a play perspective, we know about Devontae Smith, 170 pounds, you know, can he deal with contact in the NFL, you know, sustaining injuries, things like that. Let's push that aside because nobody really knows, right? They can guess, but nobody knows how he's going to deal with all that stuff. He was healthy all his career at Alabama, by the way. So simply as a player, if you see a guy that's lighter in their mass, he's very slim, doesn't, isn't very broad, narrow type of body as a corner, is there stuff that you can take advantage of with that? Or does it come back to what you kind of said in your first answer, where those guys are more difficult to deal with simply from trying to beat them in coverage?
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. (laughs) When you watch the film, there isn't anything that jumps out that it's that there's a weakness. No, I agree with you by the way. I'm with you on that. And that's what I challenge people to kind of ask themselves like, all right, like, Take away the fact that he's 170 pounds. Because when I watch film, I I try not, I mean, I knew what his height and weight was, but I try not to know what somebody's height and weight is because I just want their film to tell me who this person is, not their height, not their weight. I think that's how a lot of people miss out on the exceptions, right? They look at DK Metcalf and he's like, well, look at this three cone, can't do this, can't do that. But it's like, well, what does he do well? Like, let's look at that. And he does those things at an elite level. So when you look at Devontae Smith, you know, it's like, all right, like, like you said, throw the weight out the window, throw his butt. like, what, what does he do well? And when you put on the film and you take notes, he does everything well. It's not until you know that he's 170 pounds or whatever, that people start like making up these things and trying to project that. But those things have not been an issue, even against like the top corners in the league. We're talking about Derek Stingley, who's probably going to be uh, uh, the number one corner off the board next year. He destroyed him in every way, like whether it was releases off the line, whether it was contested catch, whether it was just running by him. He beat him every which way that you can beat somebody. And he's done that consistently to everybody in the SEC or all of college football. So my thing is, it's like, I I hear it. And I know that people are saying that he's going to be an outlier if he is good. But my thing is, I just go off of the film and what I see, and I let that tell me the story, his weight, Has not looked like an issue, aside from, aside from him blocking. Now, from in that, that's that's when when people want to talk about his weight, his blocking. If somebody really wanted to, they can just throw him out the way. Now, I was watching film on like Eric Stokes, and I kind of knocked Eric Stokes for this because I'm like, look, Devontae Smith tries to block. He does try, and he blocked uh, Eric Stokes several times. I'm like, you you can't let that happen. There's no way you can let a 170 pound receiver block you. Now, we're not talking about him trying to make you miss in space. It's just like, hey, this is just me and you, and you have to get this guy out the way. Um, I think if there is an area where he he his weight might hurt him, that's where it's at in the blocking game. I wouldn't ask him to be doing too much blocking. like the I'm not throwing a screen to a receiver and saying, hey, Devontae Smith, you blocked that guy. Which wish they did that at Bama, but that's just not something I would really like for him to do. I don't think that's, you know, but aside from that, I just challenged somebody to show me on film where his weight has ever been an issue against any caliber of cornerback. And when I, when I mean that by that is they, they, like I can show you exactly where, when I talk about uh, uh, Jamar Chase and his inability to separate and how it's really hit and miss when you just watch the all 22 and you watch it and don't watch the highlights It's very hit and miss with Devontae Smith. There is no hit and miss. He's just winning and winning and winning and winning and winning Every which way,
0: and did you give Sans an idea? Because you've mentioned this before, and I know how you do it, but the fans should know too you're not just watching catches, you're watching full games of all 22 to to break down your analysis, right?
1: Yes, um, several games. I usually go, you know, so most of the time with a guy, it takes me about one game, maybe two, to at the very least understand who this guy is, and then I'll watch, I'll continue to watch games just to make sure, okay, well, what's consistent? Because this is why, and I don't watch any highlights of guys before the draft or as I'm doing my analysis, because I don't want the highlights to, to paint a false narrative of who this player is. Like we, anybody can pull 10, 15 plays over three years of a, of a player and make somebody look like something. But, the, you know, when you watch all 22, it's like, hey, this is 70, 60 plays or whatever of just pure this guy. And I want to know what exactly he struggles with and what is he, you know, consistent with. So yeah, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely watching the all 22 and letting that paint the picture of the player for me.
0: How about Jalen Waddle? What do you see as his role here? Is he going to be a guy that it's mostly, you know, quick screen line of scrimmage, get him in space and then over the top, or is he going to be a guy that can win with a fuller route tree, intermediate area over the middle how do you see him translating his game and his enormous physical talents to the NFL level?
1: Oh man, he does some freaky, he does some freaky stuff. You know, he's and freak, the funny man. thing is, people don't talk about him being like a smaller guy because he's only like 5'10, 180. Like he's not a big guy, but he's another one where I think he plays, and I got a lot of flack from this from the um, like the analytics world. I when I, I talk about receivers, I say, Hey, this guy plays big or he plays small. And you can be any size and play big. Whether you're 6'3", 220, you can still play big. If you're 5'10", 180, you can still play big. I think he played big above the rim, especially at the catch point. That was something really good to see, especially for somebody that's more of a speedster. I don't throw out the Tariq Hill tag on people. You hear that every year, whether it's John Ross or, uh, you know, uh, Ruggs. And, like, no, Ruggs wasn't – Ruggs was a long strider. He wasn't as twitchy as Sudden. As a Tariq Hill, I didn't feel like he consistently uh, used the threat of his speed vertically in route. That's why he had so much trouble with guys like uh, Fulton. That's why he's having trouble in the NFL. Um, but when you watch Waddle, that's the closest thing to Tariq Hill that you're you're going to see because he has that twitch, that suddenness, that 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 ability to uh, explode right now. I was listening to Chris Sims and it was really weird. He was like, oh, he's not straight line fast. I think he's going to run 445. And I'm like, What? Like what guy are you watching? That's not what I'm seeing. Yeah, he was saying he's like not first uh, straight line fast, and there are a bunch of guys in his class faster than him. I thought that was a really interesting statement. Not knocking him. I think Chris Sims really does his work, but um, just I I see something totally different. I see someone who is just as explosive as Rugs after the catch, being able to outrun angles and um, explode past guys. I've seen him people try to bracket him. And him just run straight through a bracket and be able to track in the ball. I think he has uh, terrific uh, ball skills, tracking in passes. Um, And then I think his route running is really good. The the crazy thing with him, I was watching him in 2019 against LSU, and he was in the slot. And it was actually the play where Devontae Smith caught a goal route down the sideline on Stingley when he jumped over Stingley and adjusted and caught the ball. Well, if you kind of go back to the right side of that that field in the slot there – You'll see Waddle hit Delpit with this. I mean, he came in full. He kind of stemmed inside, and then he hit him with what we call a rocker step, where he went left, right, and left, and he did it like with without losing any speed. And I was like, "Whoa, that's special. That's different. Just right there, that was different." And I've seen that on uh, numerous occasions. Um, Guard—he played primarily in the slot, but he had uh, Eric Stokes over him on this play out of the slot. And he ran like a simple kind of like a slant route, but when he put his foot in the ground, he separated from Stokes so much. And we're talking about Stokes, who is a four, two, five guy, right? He separated him by like six, seven yards. Whereas, like, okay, he has some different stuff to him, a different type of juice. So I think he kind of really gives you a complete package of receiver as well. It would have been nice to see him work more on the outside so we can see him consistently like, okay, can he win vertically, just line up on the outside? you t- assume he can, but that wasn't something I was really able to see.
0: How do you compare this group, at the? and we'll stick with the top of the class mostly, compared to last year's top of the class? How do you group these guys together? How would you rank them?
1: Uh, okay, so I like the top of this class more. Now, I think last year you had a deeper – more depth, like day two, day three. Sure. Um, And there were certain guys like, you know, like I probably would take like Michael Pittman and Brian Edwards, who was a third round pick over like Rondell Moore, you know. But um, when you're talking about the top guys, I'd say Devontae Smith, I'd take him number one over the last two classes. I just think he's that good. Now, the only pause, obviously his weight. But again, if you just go off of what my notes say, the weight's not an issue. So I factor that in. And I'd say like that's the guy would we'll take first. And anybody listening to this, I just just show me where the weight is an issue. Show me, well, except for block. I know the blocking is. But at any other Eric, part, you've
0: had this argument with people before. I, I I can tell. I think all the
1: time. I mean, it's like oh the weight, one hundred and seventy. Oh my god. And I'm just like oh my god. Okay. But um, so he he would be first. And then I would say probably probably Chase because he just does some special things. And then I – and I've kind of come along on him and just try to look past the like, okay, and try to project more. like All right, Eric, this is what you're seeing, and I know it's not pretty. But let's project this to the next level. And can he get better at the suddenness and twitchiness and and quickness and and craftiness of playing the receiver position? I think he can, so I'm going to put him at two. And then I would go um, Lamb, and then I would go – Diami Brown, maybe. Ooh. And then like Judy, Jefferson, and then, yeah, the kind of the rest of the guys from there. Oh, and then, Waddle. And then you would to Waddle
0: in. around Judy's area. Maybe? Yeah, yeah,
1: Waddle right in there. Yeah. All
0: right, I got to ask about Diami Brown now because I was, I was going to jump to that second tier of guys. And I happen to really like Diami Brown. And I don't know why people have him in, like the middle end of the second round. The dude averaged more than 20 yards per catch for two straight years. He just runs by people all game. Why do you like him so much?
1: Um, I, I, I'll tell you what it is. What what people are seeing is so I'm watching him, right? I'm breaking him down, and I tweet out uh, tweet out something. I'm just like, man, like the tough thing about watching Diami Brown. I was like, he only runs like three routes. I was like, this reminds me of DK Metcalf coming out of LSU, um, Ole Miss, and the responses I got was it's the same offensive coordinator, and I'm like, wow, okay, it makes a lot of sense. So I had to really dig deep in my analysis on him, but he does some really good things. I mean. And, and I had to, re- you got to really focus in. And I think some people, they just watch it. And it's like, okay, well, he did this well. He did this well. But when you really watch and try and nitpick and see who exactly this kid Diamond Brown is, his feet are terrific. He has really good feet. He has really good craftiness. I talked about that with like uh, Chase, like developing that craftiness. I think this guy off the line, really fluid, works, knows how to stack defensive backs. He gives them half steps. He does all these little subtleties in his game. And you have to really look and find it. But once you do it and you understand why he's winning vertical, those are the things I feel like that makes him special. I think his ability to make contested uh, catches, you know, again, I don't look at the height and weight before I watch him. So I'm watching him and he's looking like a 6'3", 215-pound dude. Now he measures in, I see at 6'1", 190, but okay, I've already made my analysis of him. I don't care about the weight part of it. I'm looking at him and I'm like, this guy is like a carbon copy of Devontae Adams and what Devontae Adams brings to the Packers. That's what I see. And that's what the ability I see from Diami Brown. It's really good. Run after catch. He's physical. He'll lower his shoulder. He does all these things. Like, um, you know, he knows how to, he understands leverage. Sometimes I see him moving at one speed and then he knows how to just attack the leverage and then come back out just to make the cornerback speed turn. Like, just the little subtleties of his game, I think, I think he's very nuanced. To, he you just couldn't see it on full display because of the office that he was in. I do feel like if there's one knock on him, I would say one thing that was like not consistent to me was his ability to use his vertical speed because he's he can run, but to use his vertical speed as a threat on underneath routes. Mm. Sometimes he would just kind of run one speed and get to a spot and catch it. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But and then sometimes I'd see him really attack. Step on the defensive back toes, boom, sit it down. Show his numbers, and he works back to the ball better than anybody I've seen. Like maybe now nah, the the Alabama receivers work back well as well, but um he works back extremely well. So he's like quarterback's best friend. There was a couple times against like Virginia, I watched him work back to the ball like ten yards, like on the comeback. So like those are the you know that's somebody that's confident with his hands, his ability does a lot of really good things. But I think he can use the threat of that speed, um on, on the of the vertical uh, speed to um work his underneath routes a little bit more. Aside from that, I'd see a lot of big time potential in Dominic Brown and whatever team he goes to. I think the fans are going to be like, Whoa, how do we miss on this guy?
0: One guy that I struggle with a little bit is Terrace Marshall. I watch him and I see the physical tools and I, I see what he can be. But I, there's something missing to me. I don't know if it's a burst or whatever it is. Croc, what do you see when you look at Terrace Marshall? Because he's 6'2". He runs a four-three-eight. He, you, you can check every box in the physical package you want. But what did you think of him when you watched him on tape? Because that could be a guy if the Giants don't go wide receiver in the first round. If he falls down to 42, maybe that's a guy they could try to snag.
1: Yeah, you know, he reminded me, he was kind of a mixture of a couple guys. So um, he was like, Muhammad Sanu meets... Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's I his name <laughs> right? Yeah. It was yeah. like a combination of the two, right? Like, he's like this sleek mover. I thought he ran routes well. Um, I thought he had really good feet. Um, he doesn't have, like, really good burst, like, in and out of his breaks or anything like that. But he definitely shows, like, the ability to do everything. Like, he could stretch the field, whether it's from the outside, from the slot. Again, talked about his feet. I think he has good quickness and, and suddenness. But I think what you're seeing is, it's kind of like that lack of burst, and you don't really see – you don't see that. Now, you do see – this time you see him run by a defense. I mean, I think it was, sure. it was Wake Forest or Wake Forest where he just ran straight past everybody and caught it and just ran off to the end zone. So he has that ability, but I just don't think you see that that right now. And, I, you know, like a, you guys are used to see him like Odell Beckham. I don't think he has that. So I think his play style is more like a Slayton type, you know.
0: Yeah, I always struggle with those long striders sometimes. Sometimes they fool me when they got those big steps, you know, they, you know, they don't do the chop, 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 and it gets me sometimes.
1: Yeah. He's good, though. I think he's well-rounded. I really liked his ability to play in the slot and work outside. He primarily worked outside um, in the in the prior year with uh, Jefferson doing yeah. all the slot work. Then this year he moved to where they just used him wherever they can give him the ball. And I thought his production was off the charts terrific in the seven games before opting out. Um, I think he's... He's another guy that's kind of rounding out my top five, top six. I, I, I like him enough to have him in that range over some of the other guys where people like, you know, like Rondell Moore and, you know, uh, uh, Elijah Moore. I, I don't think Elijah Moore plays, like, fast enough for me. He, he runs fast, but when you just watch him, he doesn't really use the threat of that speed, like, enough for somebody who is more of a speed guy.
0: All right, final question on the wide receivers before we jump to the DBs. You mentioned a couple of the guys already. Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore. I'm going to go on to Lashai Smith, um, Amon Ross, St. Brown um Kadarius Tony uh, Dwayne Eskridge to an extent you got all these guys that are you know basically going to play the slot right and and they all kind of like the smaller stature type of wide receivers they got speed they got quickness which guys from that group stick out to you above the others because it's just there's you know how it is there's a million 511 guys that run a 444 yeah. four now coming out of college every year there just is
1: <laughs> especially with no combine you're just to play. Yeah, exactly right, um, exactly I haven't watched the Eskridge kids yet. He's from like Western Michigan, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I've seen clips. Definitely looks explosive. I just seen people kind of like Jim Nagy tweet out a video of him. like, whoo, they do skating out there. Like you can tell he's just naturally fast, but I haven't watched anything else on him. And again, I don't watch highlights. So I haven't like looked into no, it until I get my analysis. But um, the other guys, I think, I think Moore is kind of special. I think Which he has one? some special stuff. Rondell? From spot. Oh, Rondell? Oh yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Rondell Moore. Yeah. Um I know he's he's only five seven, <laughs> but um, I think just in the role that he could play, he has the nice feet, quickness, suddenness, twitch. I watched him as a true freshman against um, what's the kid number twenty four from uh, uh, Wade from uh, Ohio State, yeah, sure and way, he just yeah. killed him, and he killed him with just that nice quick twitch suddenness. Um, he's really strong. I I don't think he minds at all. You know, going over the middle, he can catch a pass, take some punishment, and we've seen him run off um, for touchdowns like. I mean, he does all these little things like what I want from today's slot, the ability to take the end of rounds and do the jet sweeps and all that, use him in that manner. I think he's definitely a utility guy, like a Debo Samuel, but with even more upside as a burner, as a pure burner. So um, with him, I think you just need to keep him healthy. I think that's what people say one of his issues is, aside from only being five foot seven. But I think as a just a receiver, like you look at him as a receiver and what he can be as a slot for your team, I think he he's he can be big time, uh, really working over that that area. Um, now, obviously, in college, sometimes it's a little hard to evaluate pure slots like him that only line up in the slot because all their matchups are more favorable. Yeah, you know, no press coverage. Linebackers. Like that, yeah. Um, yeah, they're matched up against linebackers, safeties. There's a lot of space, and then when you're just that quick and twitchy, when you go back to the Ohio State, you see them press them a lot. And you saw how he dealt with it there, and I'm like, oh, no issues, no issues.
0: Limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com tickets for more information. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Don't miss it on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. All right, let, let's jump over to cornerback now. I was all on the Caleb Farley bandwagon until this last injury. And now, you know, the ACL two backs, I'm, I'm freaked out and I'm off. But if you take those injuries out of the mix, I've never seen a guy with makeup speed like that. You see wide receivers run by him and he just boom, turns on the jets, closes, catches up, does all that stuff. How did you, how do you view the top of this cornerback class? And you can throw Farley into the mix too, as always healthy with horns or Tan Farley and those guys.
1: so, so, It's tough because Farley, I see him as clearly someone who has freakish upside. Like, it's just like freakish, his ability. You talked about his ability to close on the ball in the air. To me, someone asked me like, well, who does it remind you of? And I'm like, man, I can't really think of anybody except for Deion Sanders. And I don't want to throw that name out lightly, right? And I'm not saying he's Deion Sanders just with his coverage ability. But when that ball is in the air and the way he's able to explode and the way he attacks the ball in the air – like those type, of, that, those type of ball skills, the way he does that, that looks like Deion Sanders. Um, aside from that, I thought with Farley, he was just far too inconsistent. A lot of it, I think it's just like him being a little green. Everybody like it's like, oh, he just perfect, like shut down. I'm like, no, he's not a shut down corner yet. Now, maybe he can be. I know he's a little raw in the sense of, um, I think he was like a high school quarterback, I want to say. Yeah, I think he, um, he was only a receiver. played the for two years. That's yeah, it. was a receiver when he first got to Virginia Tech. Then went over the corner. So you know he's kind of new to it. In corner, there's a lot of feel that comes with that position. Like you have to you start feeling things and, and having a feel for how receivers run routes and understanding when to sit things down. So once he gets that, then we start talking as okay, I see. So somebody might take him first or before the back. End, I don't know. I'm scared of the back end injury as well. But before that, somebody might take him first. I didn't have him as my like my number one guy. But if you ask me who has the highest upside of anybody in this group. I would say him. And if he's like the best corner in the NFL in three years, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but there is just a lot of risk there, but I guess for risk sure. reward. Um, I love JC Horn. So that that's been my CB one when I really, since I really started d- diving into guys. Um, I just think his, his mentality, he has these things that you can't teach with his, the way that he approaches the game. And that's the hard part for a lot of teams. They want to know like people like, Oh, this guy was a bus or this guy was a bus. A lot of times, The the teams didn't evaluate the talent wrong. They evaluated the person. And, you know, if he's going to work hard once he gets money, how is he going to be, you know? Um, Is he an alpha guy? Well, is he soft? How is he going to respond to adversity? And when you look at J.C. Horn, he exemplifies everything that you want in, like, a CB1. You know, everybody points to the Auburn game. That wasn't the game plan. Hey, you go take Seth, Seth, Seth Williams. That was him saying, I'm guarding Seth Williams. Like, let put me on him. That's their, that's their guy? Put me on him. And guys that go out of their way to, 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 like, just do what's best for the team and feel like, hey, I got this ability, and I can I can eat this dude up. And he did. He made it rough on him. I know people talk about his ball skills, whatever. His coverage skill is what stands out most to me. He's able to cover any type of receiver. I thought he did a good job on Elijah Moore, which – Guys like him that are six foot, six one, uh, 205 pounds. Yeah. I thought it was just harder to mirror match guys in the slot that are five, nine, 180 pounds, and run four threes. I thought he guarded him. I thought he did very well. Now, some people might point to the Alabama game the, the year prior. I thought he struggled a little bit with Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith's the best receiver in the last two years. So, like, okay, he's struggling with Devontae Smith. I get it. Like, but even then, and when I say struggled, everybody might point to the slant route that went for a touchdown. I thought he was there. He looked like he maybe peaked and then it was over. But um, there were some other things that I watched from that game that you can probably only see on all 22 because it was away from the ball. But I just noticed that he was a little too worried about Devontae Smith going vertical and he was playing too far upfield shoulder. Devontae Smith was sent routes down and, and he kept drifting upfield. So that was one thing I know. And I know, um, but then there's other plays in that game where he's playing off coverage against it, against the Devontae Smith, which is extremely hard. Nice back pedal, gets out of his break, boom, punches the ball out, you know, for an incomplete pass. So you're like, okay, I'm seeing them compete from off coverage press. Obviously he lost some rest, but he's still competing. Then there's a play on the goal line where he was communicating with everybody, getting everybody set up. And then they tried to high low him. He took away the flat route, flipped his hips, knocked away the uh, the corner route. Like you see him start doing those things and just understanding what his mentality is and what you see consistently on film. It's hard to see say that there's somebody better than him in this class, or that project better at the next level, and then my next guy. I know everybody likes Sertain a whole lot, but I really like Greg Newsom. Mm-hmm. Now his injuries—that's another thing. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not a—I'm not a doctor or anything, medical staff. But just the film, like he—I think he's the most well-rounded, most scheme versatile corner in this class. His ability to play press is pretty much just as good as anybody else. I might not be as consistent as Sertain. Sertain makes it look really easy. But um, for the most part, like his press is really good. I did a terrific do- job reading guys down and not being scared of uh, the vertical threat from receivers. I thought he did a really good job with his feet. I thought from off coverage, he was just as good as he was press coverage, which I'm watching again. I don't look at height, weight measurables or anything. I'm looking at him on film and I'm like, okay, this is a five ten, 180-pound guy. He's six foot 192 or whatever, you know, that's what he measures in there. So I'm like, dang, he has a size, he moves like a small guy. And anytime you move like a small guy, that's definitely a plus for somebody that has legit size like he does. So his ability to play off and challenge himself in speed in space and play with his feet, that was terrific. Um, playing the ball at the catch point, no matter the size of the receiver, that was terrific. Can be a little grabby, but in, in same thing with Horn, I don't mind the grabbiness as much I know some people do but it's like receivers push off you got to grab sometimes like it's just a battle you're more likely to get flagged as a cornerback but it just kind of is what it is it's a tough position to play whatever so he has some flags um, whatever but just his pure ability I, I loved his game I, again most scheme versatile corner in this class in my opinion to and what I mean by that is he can go play for the Broncos he can go play for the 49ers he can go play for the Giants no matter what your scheme is cover four scheme, cover three uh, press bell scheme, he can play in it. So I really like him a lot. And then Sertain, I'll touch on Sertain real quick, why I'm not as high. I mean, I'm high, clearly. I have him at like CB3, right? I really like his ability. Um, I think he's probably the most consistent press corner I've seen in recent years. He lacks that suddenness and twitchiness. Yep. And there are a lot of people that were questioning his speed. And I was telling people, no, it's not his speed. That, that's not what you guys – are seeing a lack of and they're like, oh well change of direction, slow. right? Change of
0: direction. Yeah, it's his
1: change of direction, mm-hmm. it's his quickness, his twitchiness. That's what you're seeing a lack of there. So I feel like you know, I would have liked to see him against his receivers. Like let me see you against Devontae Smith. Let me see that <laughs> let me see that practice film, you against uh, Jerry Judy. You know, I think just his suddenness, his twitch, like he moves at one speed all the time. So again, I think he's gonna be a terrific prospect. I'd expect him, I mean if he went, if it was the first corner taken, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, again, a lot of my rankings go more off of my preference and not what every, how everybody else should think. But I, when I watch him, terrific press guy. I just think from off coverage, I was watching him in, in the bail. I didn't think he was really anticipating and reading down routes uh, very well and reacting to it right now. Um, I thought if he's playing like cover two, yeah, he, cl- he clicked and closed and diagnosed things in front of him very well. Close make tackles. He's a phys- physical, aggressive tackler. Oh, that's great. But I just, I, I would like to see a little bit more suddenness, twitchiness from him. But definitely, I, I thought he played well. And he played a lot in the nickel, too. Like, in previous years, um, there was a game like, Duke, he played primarily, like, in the nickel. So he has that aspect. But even in the nickel, how he was asked to play at Bama in comparison to how they'll ask him to play at the NFL, two totally different things.
0: No, I'm with you. I, I agree with everything you said about Sertan. He's not manning up some 5'11 quick slot receiver in the NFL. It's just not.
1: I, I, ideally, I, I don't think that's – and I'm not going to say he can't, but that's not an ideal matchup for him.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I want to go back to Horn for a second. Two things. One, I agree 100%. You're not going to find a guy that can, in one game, cover Elijah Moore, and then the next game go cover Kyle Pitts and actually cover both guys, do a pretty good job, right? right. That's not going to happen very often. You mentioned the grabbiness, because that is one thing that I noticed and other people have too. Is that something you can coach out of a guy a little bit? Because there's no legal contact in colleges. You know, you do have that in the NFL. Is that something once a defensive bass coach in the league gets his hands on him with his physical traits? I think he tested 95th percentile on all his testing at his pro day. Again, it's not combine, it's pro day. It's different. But still, can you coach that out of him, given his physical gifts where – He's not a guy that has to grab to stay with these guys. It's just something that he does.
1: I think it has to do more with the training, um, like in the off season. I think everybody thinks like these NFL guys, they get to the, like, or these kids coming from college, go to the NFL. And it's like, oh, they're going to develop you. But at the NFL level, they really focus more on developing your mind. Right. Like they want to do whatever they have to do to get you on the field, to be, be able to get you ready for the next game. Um, The your trainers in the offseason, the guys that work with you there, like that's going to focus in more on your technique and creating good habits. So when it comes to JC Horn, he's working with Oliver Davis. He's this terrific defensive back trainer. He's out of like Atlanta. Um, He's doing an awesome job, not just working with him, but I mean, Eric Stokes. I watched him working with Jalen Ramsey. Then you have Horn working with Jalen Ramsey, like, you know, just, um, you know, but it's it's that like just getting him to trust his feet and work with your feet more to get you in position to use your hands, I think once he does that and gets consistent at that, that, that's when you'll see him maybe stop being as grabby and depending more on, you know, oh, let me grab to get him in position. It's like, no, trust your feet. You got the speed. Like, even before that that, that Pro Day 40, like, I thought he was going to be a, you know, a four, four, five guy. So, you know, like, that's fine. That's more than fast enough. Um, explosive player. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine there, but it, I think that the work to stop being as grabby, it starts in, in your offseason training with, like, a personal guy. In they prepare you more to get in the game.
0: Can you talk about the mental adjustment? Because we've seen some really good college cornerbacks. Jeffrey Okuda last year, for example. I mean, you watch him. You couldn't find much wrong with the guy. So he struggled in his first year. Somebody described it to me. Going from corner in college to playing corner in the pros is like trying to drink water out of a fire hose. There's just <laughs> so much coming at you, and you—it's just hard to take everything in because it's so much more complicated. What is that transition like, and why do even the best college corners have a bit of a slower process than other positions trying to play that spot in the pros?
1: Oh man, um, so it's—it's it's difficult. So when I got to the Jets. Right. Um, I'm coming from a division two school where we primarily played like a couple of coverages, cover three and like cover one. Right. We didn't right. We, there wasn't like a whole lot of versatility with it. And then you get to, and then I went to the arena league. So you have that, which is a totally different game. Then I get to the NFL, I get to the New York Jets. And Rex Ryan, it was everything. And just the, the verbal part of it is difficult if it's not something that you've heard. So you have to learn that part of it. Then you have to understand that there's like each coverage, you play a certain thing a different way. So whether I'm in man, I play this stack a different way. If I'm in zone, I play this stack a different way. And even on the zone is different because if it's a fire zone, I play it this way. If it's sky, I play it this way. And you have to be able to um, figure these things out right now because it can be something and you're lined up and there's two guys there and you're like, okay, I'm good. But then a back motions to one side, that changes things. Then the guy motions over, It makes it uh, uh, three guys in the stack, and then that changes things. And and then the ball snap, and you're like, okay, and you have to (laughs) kind of remember, like, okay, well, it wait, no, not man, this is no, this is fire zone. So then I have to, so you have to really get down that part of it. Um, And I think that's the most difficult part. Now for me, it might have been more difficult because I went to a division two and then arena league. Now I'm coming in, the, the verbiage is totally different. For Cuda, I didn't think. The Lions were a good fit for him, and I was saying that before. Like, if I'm the Lions, I don't take him. Really, if I'm the Lions and I want to do things with Akuda, like I did with Darius Slate, and they have they put a lot of responsibility on Slate. So oh, if yeah. I'm gonna put those t- same type of that, that's not Akuda's game. Let him play on the outside. Let him press from there, or let him um, press, bell, read concepts down. I thought watching his film, he he played press, bell, and reading concepts from there. As well as it looked like Josh Norman in that, that Super Bowl run with the Panthers, like it was next level. Have him do that. I didn't think he was a guy that I want, like, hey, you're just gonna match on this guy, or I'm gonna line you up anywhere in the slot on the outside, and he's gonna consistently excel from there. And so, if I'm the lines, like, I think you're the guy you wanted was Henderson. Now, we'll see how the Lions adjust, and they, they, they got a new staff coming in and everything, and Glenn. Aaron Glenn, I want to say the defensive coordinator, I think, for them now.
0: Yeah, I think I, th- I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and he was he was a scout when I was with the Jets. He wasn't even like a coach. He was just a scout. So I had conversations with him, but um, we'll see what he brings to the table in the sense of like the coverages. I know if it's anything like they ran in in New Orleans, and I know he was just the defensive back coach a lot of times. If you're just a DB coach, you don't have a whole lot of input on the scheme. You just coach your guys up for the scheme that your DC has in place. I think they ran a lot more like two man and stuff like that, and I think even then, I think I think Akuda would be solid in that. We'll we'll see, but he's definitely going to have to adjust and work on some of the you know different parts of the game. I really liked Akuda, but um, I just didn't think that was a great spot for him coming out, and I'd be weary of drafting the corner of the top three anyways, unless he's like, you know, just way different than anything we've seen.
0: Yeah, you're right. And you're right. Okuda House they played a lot more, you know, outside leverage, cover three, read the quarterback, off yeah. coverage, all that stuff. I'm with you 100%. And he
1: excelled at that. He played that oh, so well. Really good at that.
0: All right, let, let's go to this next group now. So if the Giants are picking at 42, you're going to have that next group of corners. The Eric Stokes is, and you, you can throw the slot guys in if you want the Asante Samuels. I don't know if you like Stokes' teammate. Who do you like in that next group of corners after you get past those top four that we already talked about, who I think we all, none of us believe those guys are going to last past pick 40?
1: Yeah, so, so Stokes is very intriguing because he, he's a very explosive athlete. But I know in my notes and in my breakdown, um, I did on my Patreon account, I noted that I knew he was an explosive athlete, but only because when I did like a little bit of research on him, I noticed that he was a 100 and 200 meter state champ in high school. So I knew he was a 10-3 guy, but I was saying, hey, I don't think he plays ex- as explosive as he'll probably test. And he tested extremely well. Now, I think he can challenge himself more. Like when you would possess, I didn't have that speed. I was a six one six two guy. I was a four five five guy. You know, I had to play everything a little bit more honest. Him <laughs> is like, no, you can, you can challenge yourself more. Like, they're not going to run by you. Challenge your speed. Challenge your ability to change direction. And I thought he could have did a better job in that, at that. Now, maybe he just doesn't have it in him to do that. But if you can get him to trust his speed more, then you have a terrific cornerbacks, cornerback uh, prospect. But he just has to trust that aspect more. I think Campbell. He's another guy that I was going to test well. I think he was like the state 100 meter and 200 meter state champ in like Florida. So he played in high. He played high school football with like certain uh, Marco Wilson, and that receiver, the speedy guy from uh, Auburn. They were all at high school together. Um, he's another guy who I think even with both him and and Stokes, I think their their their, their press ability is terrific, um, and I think they challenge things extremely well. But challenge yourself a little more. And I think Stokes has a little bit better natural feet than Campbell. Campbell moves, if I had to guess watching this film on like what I would guess his height and weight was, I'd be like 6'2", 205. That's how you move. You don't want to move like you're 6'2", 205 though. You know what I'm saying? And he measured in that 6'1", 190. I'm like, ah, uh, I need I you, need, why why the, why, do, why, are you and uh, the, the, the kid, Greg Newsom the same size, but he moves much better. So I need, you know, the fluidity is not quite there, but as a day two guy, I think he's terrific. Um, I think he'll be a solid corner in the NFL. And then there's a guy who, I don't know if he'll go day two, or I'd assume he will go day two at some point, um, but not sure, third round or second round. But Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota, he's intriguing because he, he, when I watch him, I'm like, oh man, this looks like a Keller Witherspoon. But, I I thought he had more natural aggressiveness than Akello. But for somebody that's 6'3", 200 pounds, I thought he had good feet from off coverage. They played a ton of quarters with him. And so he had to challenge himself in space. I thought he did a really good job getting in and out of his breaks, not taking too many wasted steps. He played a little bit longer, but it's like, but I mean, you're 6'3", 200 pounds. Like, what what are you going to do? But, um, you know, his ability to be aggressive at the line of scrimmage, use his hands or sometimes just use his feet to get in position. I thought he did that well. Um, there was a play I saw in that, like, that challenged his hips because I'm really big on like, okay, well, well, how's this fluidity? And the quarterback threw the ball away, but he was running this way. And when the quarterback threw it away, he quickly flipped his h- hips and ran that way. So those are the things I kind of paid attention to. But I'm like, oh, I like that. I noted that. I put that in my breakdown of him. But, uh, you know, those are the little things. I, I like him a lot. if I don't know if he'll go in the top 40, but if a team took him in that range, I wouldn't be mad at that.
0: All right, I got two kind of more generic questions now for corners. And this goes back to kind of our discussion on Okuda. How much should teams be drafting these cornerbacks based on how they want to use them now? Because to me, the skill sets, if you want a guy to play cover one compared to if you want the guy to play off, you know, the bail on the cover three or zone, you know, I, th- I feel like the skill sets you're asking for can be very different based on the scheme you're playing. So how much do teams really need to customize How they eventually, you know, rank and stack these players on their boards based on how they want to use them relative to the skill sets of these players,
1: yeah. I I think it's all about like how you plan on using them, you know, because you can look at Nandi Asamoa on the Raiders and it's like, oh man, this is a shutdown dude, like he's just shut down, like can't miss, like wow. And then he goes to a different scheme in Philadelphia and it just does not work, it looks like one of the worst corners in the league. Then the Niners get him. And put him in Fangio's defense, and that doesn't work for him. Like that's not who he is. So I think scheme definitely matters. Um, that's why I talk about like Greg Newsome. I'm saying like the most scheme versatile corner in this class because now you can take somebody like him, and it doesn't matter what scheme he fits in it. Um, but there are some other guys that are going. They're definitely going to be a little bit more scheme dependent. And uh, but I, I think that should be a big part of your evaluation. Like how does this guy fit in with what I do now? You know different positions like quarterbacks. Like, quarterbacks, I feel like offensive coordinators should be good enough to be like, no, like, let me create my offense around this guy, like right. this quarterback. But corners, you know, defensive coordinators, they're going to run their scheme and do the things that they want to do, and they're not going to veer too far away from that. So I definitely think, yeah, you know, you don't just draft a corner because you feel like, oh, man, he's just really talented. You know, you if you draft JC Horn and put him in, in the wrong scheme... You know, people are going to be like, dang, you say he was the best corner in his class. Well, I'm like, well, I didn't tell them to play him like that. I, I didn't tell the Broncos to draft him. So, you know, those are things, too, that, you know, you got to like, like, I think it's a bet. like if I'm picking eighth and, or ninth and I'm the Broncos. No, Broncos do not take him. If I'm the Broncos, I would take Newsome before I take Horn, even though I like Horn much more. So, yeah, the scheme, I think, definitely matters.
0: All right, the final question. I'm not trying to discount the importance of speed because if you use it right to the point before and you leverage it right, it's the ultimate weapon. But the more and more I watch and I see how the NFL is becoming a league where you almost win as much horizontally as you do vertically, Croc. I feel like the change of direction stuff is so important now. And I think you are seeing to some extent some of these positions shrinking a little bit and guys, linebackers getting faster and quicker, right? Receivers coming out, they're faster and quicker. How much for you as someone that played the position, Is that hip flexibility, that change of direction really becoming king of the mound even more than that straight ahead speed?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately it depends on just, again, like how you are going to use this guy. Now, if this is going to be a guy that you plan on saying, hey, I might have you do some matchup stuff. And if you have to play in a slot, especially somebody that might have to line up in the slot at times, when you're in the slot, it's difficult. You you know, people, the receivers have two-way goes, and there's a lot of space. So, you know, you, 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 get, you get caught up in space with a guy and you're a little tight hit, it's not, it's not really going to look good. Think of Richard Sherman. I think Richard Sherman has done a tremendous job. on it. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should be. One of the best corners of my generation. But I don't want to line him up in the slot. You notice Richard Sherman is like, you know what, I'm good over here. This press bill, I can read concepts. Let me, let me do that. He You know, when they did start matching him up, he can match up with a certain style of guy, but he can't. You know, Des Bryant. I think he did it. He did good competing with Des Bryant in the slot. Odell Beckham. No, like I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see Odell going to slot and Richard Sherman going there with him. So, so you know, again, um, I think that 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 ability to really have the the change of direction and everything it depends on who some guy. Again, I keep going back to Greg Newsome. I wouldn't mind, but I I think he has the feet and the speed and everything. There are other guys, too. You know, in the corner, I didn't mention Kelvin Joseph. There was a lot about his film that I did not like. But his ability is not one of them. I think he has to really get better with his eyes. I thought his eyes made him late on driving on, on, um, on receivers. Um, he is out at the top of the break. He'd get his eyes back to the quarterback and sometimes not even drive the man. But – it, but his ability, I think you can line him up anywhere. I think his feet are, are terrific, changes direction. I think he, he, like, he looks like a terrific athlete, but his eyes are just bad. But he's somebody who is like, hey, if I, if I want to line him up outside, I think he's fine there. Line him up inside, he's fine there. He just has to get better with, with his eyes and what he's doing mentally.
0: All right, Croc, tell the folks where they can find your work and everything that you're up to.
1: Yeah, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, I also have the Crocker Report with a bunch of my guys. Man, I have a great team. They put out great content. Um, there's a podcast. If you guys go to Crocker Report um, at Crocker Report on Twitter, bunch of good like content on this stuff with, from a great team. My guy DP uh, NFL does an amazing job there. My um, guy John Hagler, like th- those dudes are killing it. And then um, and then I have my Patreon account, which all these things I'm talking about on these break on these breakdowns. If you guys uh, uh, subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash crock talk, you can actually see like the visual of everything that I'm talking about right now, pretty much on every prospect we've discussed so far. You guys can, you guys can see all that broken down. So um, that's where you guys can find me.
0: Croc, great stuff, man. Great getting to know you. Great talking to you. Let's do it again next year, leading up to the draft and stay safe out there, my man. Thank you.
1: Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me on.
0: That's Eric Crocker. They call him Croc. He joins us today on Giants Subtle Podcast. We thank you for joining us. It's all on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. For Croc, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody.